0: Hi, this is Jake Turner for the Turning Points Podcast. This is where you're going to find the best guests. Charles Davis, analyst for Fox Sports and NFL Network. He's Arif uh AAF writer and Vikings writer for The Athletic and takes you won't find anywhere else. You're not buying into the uh, Kevin Durant-Patrick Beverly feud? No, I think that's a joke. I think that's about <laughs> as big of a joke as when Richard Karn hosted Family Feud for that year. Find this podcast and subscribe to it to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. It's time to get to both sides of the story. And we're back here on Turning Points, where we tell both sides of the story. I'm Jake Turner. Tweet us at, at JakeTurnerSports. This was important. We all love a good collapse. And the Milwaukee Bucks started off two games to none in the Eastern Conference Finals, then lost four straight but you know what why are you listening to me because this is why i brought on my very good friend from the zone in madison wisconsin he is bucks reporter cody grant and cody uh thank you for joining us uh first off what was special about this season for the bucks
1: well, Jake, thanks a lot for having me. And it was a special season for Milwaukee. Of course, they finished with the best record in the NBA. Really took a leap forward from last year, when Jason Kidd was the head coach, and they finished seventh in the East. And they took Boston to seven games, but you know couldn't get over the hump. Got knocked out of the first round, and. In the entire career of Giannis Nakumbo, he had not been out of the first round. This year, though, they bring in Mike Budenholzer, a new head coach. Of course, they have the new GM, John Horst, who uh, had a lot of question marks coming into the season. But he answered all of them, and he is up for a GM of the year because of the moves he's made. You know, He made the trade for Eric Bledsoe at the start of the season by getting rid of Greg Monroe, who ended up being on the all-defensive first team and was really an all-star snub. Uh, he makes the sign-in for Brooke Lopez, who was one of the best bargains in the NBA this season, first NBA player in history to make two three-pointers a game and block two shots a game, and they get him for $3.3 million. Makes a trade for George Hill, and at the time, uh, the thought process was, wow, they have great salary cap relief for next season now, because he got rid of the contracts of Matthew Delvadoba and John Henson, but Hill, in turn becomes a huge part of this team, and especially that second unit after Malcolm Brockton gets hurt, he'll really fill that role of the backup point guard. Uh, So a lot of new pieces. Arisani Silva returns for his third set in Milwaukee, and it was a fun season still. All in all, with the expectations coming into the year, it was a great season for the Bucs.
0: It was a great season. It was something completely out of left field here. But I mean, you take down the Celtics, you're feeling confident. Two games up on Toronto. What Cody, what happened in Toronto in game three? Well, Jake, it was funny because they go up to, oh, I'm already
1: planning my hotel stay in San Francisco, <laughs> trying to find my plane ticket, because this one's over. The Bucks have it. And they're a better team than Toronto. And then game three happens and uh, the Bucks play similar to how they did in game one, where they couldn't hit open shots. They uh, failed to hit the outside shot. And Giannis' uh, big difference was Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he became the primary defender on Giannis, and Kawhi really proved not just in that game, but in the series that he's still top dog in the East. He's still the best player. He didn't show that much in the regular season. And you remember his comments, I'm sure, Jake, about how it's 82 practice games in the regular season to get ready for the postseason. So he's kind of coasting, kind of like how LeBron James would do it, kind of like how the Warriors do it now in the Western Conference where the regular season really doesn't matter, whereas the Bucks, they took the regular season extremely serious. And then when the playoffs started, Toronto – was able to reach another level and the bucks just were not able to reach that second level so Toronto came out at home their role players played really well Fred Van Vliet turned into Fred Steph Curry uh Norman Powell (laughs) who's had a history of being a bucks killer played really well Serge Ibaka looked good off the bench as well and when you went into this series you thought the bucks had the edge in bench play but really it was Toronto uh Toronto Bench that took over and they I think were the biggest differences Kawhi of course outplayed Giannis but it's a total team game we talk about basketball and the bench really is what put Toronto over the hump and uh, crazy that they they took game three even when Milwaukee had a chance Giannis scores fouls out it goes to double overtime it was a great game great finish but you know Raptors got it done and they go on to win four straight.
0: Why did the Raptors be able to play good defense against Giannis?
1: Well, what they did was they sent doubles and sometimes triples and they blitzed Giannis, especially when he got the ball in the short corner. They did the same thing to Chris Middleton, too, whenever Middleton got the ball in the short corner. And it made it very hard on Giannis and very frustrating because he couldn't get into land, dominate like he's used to. When you look at the series that Giannis had— he had a good series. You look at his numbers. He, he led the Bucks in scoring, led them in rebounding, uh, had, had great games distributing the basketball, but he, didn't, he wasn't great. Kawhi Leonard was great. Giannis wasn't great. He was just good. And the Bucs need Giannis to be great, and he needs to be great. He wants to be considered near the top of the league with Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, and all those guys, and he just wasn't great. And also something that wasn't there for Milwaukee was the outside shooting. They got good looks. Uh, they just didn't hit the three yes, ball. Did. There were multiple they games did. where they shot under 35%. Nikola Mirotic got to the point where he didn't even play in game six. Uh, he only played nine minutes in game five. Uh, Chris Middleton, uh, he didn't really show up on the offensive end. He had the one game where he scored 30 points. But besides that, he had multiple games where he scored less than 10. So the role players for Milwaukee, they didn't come up.
0: Well, you talk about uh, Giannis having such a good series. There was a big problem with that, and that was the free-throw line. Below 60% shooting. What what happened to Giannis at the line?
1: Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, a lot of times I watched him at the free-throw line. He looked tired. Uh, he took extra time uh, to wait to get the ball and a couple extra dribbles, it seemed like, to shoot those free-throws. And I don't know if it was just something in his head, but he's got to shoot better than 60%. On the season, he was about 73 74%. Uh, so that's not bad. I mean, uh, for a big guy, for a guy that's seven feet tall, you look at the league and the history of the league. It usually you tend to shoot less, uh, a lower percentage. The bigger you are, unless your name is like Dirk Nowitzki or something. But <laughs> uh, Giannis really struggled with the line. And you look at that game three, Jake, in particular. If he makes one more free throw, that game is over in the series. And he couldn't find a rhythm at the line either. And uh, game one, you thought that. Similar to kind of like in the second round against Boston, where they had that long layoff, has been on record saying that he hates not playing every day. He, if he it was his idea, he would play every other day. And they had that long layoff, so you think not much of it, but it kept coming, it kept going. Where Giannis struggled at the free throw line, and it cost some games. You talk about a difference between up three zero and up two one. That's a big difference when you go back to Toronto for Game Four, and then the Raptors are playing with a lot of pressure, a lot of desperation, and. Uh, they didn't have to do that because they did what they were supposed to do. They are supposed to win at home, and that's what Toronto did.
0: We're talking to Cody Grant of uh, The Zone in Madison, Wisconsin. Tweet him at, at CodyGrant2015. I want to talk about what happened at the press conference in Game 6. Giannis walked out on the presser. What is the fans' reaction?
1: Well, the fans' reaction on that were actually pretty positive on Giannis. Uh, the reason why he walked out we believe is the reporter that asked the question, Malika Andrews of ESPN, who is a colleague of mine who does a terrific job following the Bucs, but uh, she had published an article immediately after the game that talked about Giannis possibly not signing the Supermax. And if the Bucs don't reach the finals in 2020, that he'll look to leave for a bigger market like LA or like New York. And it was cited that it was sources close to Giannis and, our belief is that Giannis saw the article, saw the headline at least, and he was very upset. And when you watch that press conference and when you hear Malika state her name before the question, you see the body language change on Giannis. It's a facial expression change. And and the thing with Giannis is he's been so adamant about how much he loves Milwaukee, about how much he wants to bring a championship here, about how much he loves playing for the city and how he doesn't even want to go work out with guys like LeBron James and Kevin Durant in the summer because those are the enemy. And he's trying to bring a championship here. So I think that, you know, put a bad taste in his mouth, and it kind of upset him a little bit. And so I don't think it was the question that was asked. I think it was the reporter that asked the question, and that is what upset Giannis. And the fan base here in Milwaukee, you know, they commended him for it because uh, of the – article that was written that it was written before the game was over and it was just published you know a few seconds after the after the horn sounded
0: unbelievable Uh, I I mean I understand you know you're 23 years old you get that kind of article and yes we are I already understood I mean Giannis even came out a couple weeks ago and said that he wanted to stay in Milwaukee he wanted to play his entire career in Milwaukee because of just the way the franchise has gone so I was just kind of surprised by that, but it's good to hear about the fans' reaction. Where do the Bucks go from here?
1: Well, they have a lot of decisions to make. And really quick, I do want to piggyback off of what you said as well, Jake. would make one more point on it.
0: Okay, go There's ahead. There's been
1: guys in the in the past. Kevin Durant said the same thing about wanting to stay in OKC. Okay. Uh, LeBron James said he wanted to stay in Cleveland. Like guys have said yeah, it I before, remember that. so I understand why people still want to speculate on Giannis, but. My point is, if the guy says he wants to be here, don't speculate until he doesn't want to be here. You know, just let, let him let him be here. I mean, why would you want to leave Milwaukee, who is a first-class organization, who obviously has made the moves to put them in position to win, to leave for a organization like L.A. where their president of basketball operations, Magic Johnson, quits without even telling their boss, or a place like New York, who is not the Mecca of basketball anymore, a team that has been in disarray for years, an organization that is run by, really, a jerk, you know? So um, Milwaukee's a great organization. Doesn't matter if it's small market. It's a first-class basketball organization.
0: What is it that John Horst and Mike Boonhoser have done to the franchise?
1: They changed the culture. I mean, Boonehoser came in, first day, in practice. He put this blue tape around the arc, four spots, Okay. two in the corners and two on the wings. Mm -hmm. He said, this is where you guys are standing on offense. We're going to space the floor. We're going to allow Giannis room to isolate and get to the basket. And once he does, those defenders are going to collapse. And if they don't, he's going to score every time because there's not one man in the NBA that can stop Giannis. You have to defend him with all five guys. So when you do collapse, he's going to kick it out. And John Horace, where he comes in, is getting the shooters for Mike Boonholzer to surround Giannis with. Brooke Lopez, three-point shooter. He, like I said earlier, he made two three-pointers a game this year. Uh, Ersan Ilyasova, adding him. He can shoot the three-ball. Nikola Meritich can shoot the three-ball. You're comfortable with Bledsoe shooting a three-ball here and there. Uh, Mid- Middleton, Brogdon shot you know, 40% from three this season. He was in the 90-50-40 club. 90% free throw, 50% field goal, and... 40% from three, George Hill comes in. He can shoot the three, certainly Brown, Pat Connaughton, all those guys on this team outside of Giannis can all shoot the three ball. So uh, that's what Bloomholzer did uh, offensively. And then defensively, uh, he's very smart with the way he wants to defend. And and he really made these guys want to defend. Chris Middleton really was never known as a defender in his career. And this year he takes the challenge of guarding uh, the elite wings in the league. When he when they play Golden State, it's not Giannis defending Kevin Durant. It's Middleton. Same thing when they play OKC. It's Middleton defending Paul George. When they play Toronto, it was Middleton defending Kawhi. Malcolm Brown got a few shots at him as well, but that allowed Giannis to play off the ball, where Giannis is not going to defend the best offensive player on the, on the team. He's going to be off the ball and come in and get weak side blocks and help off the ball. And that's where Giannis is at his best defensively. And that's what Budahoser did to this team and and when you look at it from this year to last year, yeah, they added those pieces, as I mentioned Brooke Lopez, Arsani Yosoba, George Hill, Nicole Amertiks. But the core was exactly the same. I and mean, Jason Kidd could have figured it out with these guys. Budelholzer, he figured it out.
0: Breakout year for Chris Middleton. What will the Bucks do in the offseason with him?
1: It's interesting because now. I will say, because you asked me before, what was the fan reaction to Giannis walking out of the press conference? The fan reaction to Middleton getting the max contract is not the same. A lot of fans here in Milwaukee don't believe that Middleton is deserving of the max contract. And that may be true, but... Why is that? Oh, go ahead.
0: Why is that on the fan reaction? Why is the fan reaction turned negative to Middleton?
1: I think the thought process is, how does this guy get paid more than Giannis? Because Giannis' contract won't be up this offseason, and he's making about $25 million a year. And if they give a max to Middleton, it's about $32 million. So Middleton would actually uh-huh. be making more money than Giannis. And when they look at Middleton, they don't look at him as a number two. He averaged about 18 points per game. It was like 17 and a half, somewhere around there. But he played less minutes. His, he actually had career highs and, and points, rebounds, and assists per 36 and when you look at this Bucks team, there really isn't a number two option because you have guys around Giannis like Eric Bledsoe, like Malcolm Brogdon, like Middleton, who can be your second leading scorer on any given night. But the thing with Middleton is, too, I, I think people don't realize is how much he gives the Bucs defensively and how that can kind of hinder his offense a little bit. But he is the second best player on this team, in my opinion, and I think that they need to max him if that's what it takes to bring him back. Middleton said in the exit interviews on Monday that he's going to do what's best for his family and himself. But at the same time, he also reiterated that him and Giannis have unfinished business. And that, of course, is getting to the finals and getting a championship. So Middleton's going to get a max contract offer. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, New York, L.A., teams that have money, teams that maybe strike out on the big-name free agents, they're going to overpay for a guy like Middleton. And you can say he's not worth a max contract, but if someone is willing to pay him a max contract, then that means he is worth it. And my opinion is you have to match that because you can go over the cap to sign Middleton because he has bird rights, because he's been here uh, for, for years. And you can't go out in free agency and let's just throw a name out there like Clay Thompson. Let's say he's an unrestricted free agent. You can't go over the cap to sign clay thompson to bring him in who is a better player than milton but the money doesn't make sense there so why let milton walk for nothing where you could sign him and then this gives you another option in the future if you do want to trade him
0: he's got value but there was some there was a lot of value in the bench this year with the likes of george hill and malcolm brogdon so where does john horace take the bench now well, I
1: think Malcolm Brogdon will be a starter moving forward. Uh, okay. He started about 65 games this season before he got hurt. Um, but Brogdon is going to be back. There's no doubt in my mind that he'll be back. He's a restricted free agent, so they can match any offer that has thrown his way. And I don't think he's going to get a max contract offer like what Middleton may get. But with George Hill, he's interesting because uh, he's owed $18 million next oh. season if the Bucks decide to pick up that option, which they're not going to. I'll tell you that right now because it'll save seventeen million if they decline the option. But Hill has made it clear that money is no issue for him. And he wants to be in a place where he is wanted. And the Bucks proved that to him. And Hill said he had a fun time this season. He loves playing here. So if they decline that option, work out a deal for a veteran minimum, maybe five point seven five million, I think that Hill will come back. Uh Brooke Lopez is another guy that's unrestricted free agent that was making $3.3 million this year. I expect him to make a lot more money next year with what he's shown he can do. Uh, two years ago with L.A., it didn't use him right, and now you saw what he was with Milwaukee starting at center for almost every game. I think he set out one game because Budenholzer wanted to give him a little extra rest late in the season, but he also made it clear that this was one of his most fun seasons he's ever played, and he would love to be back. But, you know... We'll see if the money works out because they're not going to have the money to sign all these guys. Nicola Meretic is another guy that's unrestricted free agent as well. So uh, we may see some new faces on this team next year. We may see um, some faces that are not here. You know, Lopez may not be back. Hill may not be back. Nicola may not be back. I still think the two priorities, though, should be Middleton and Brogdon uh, moving forward.
0: So, Cody, of the three that you just named off the bench, which one do you think the Bucks are going to try and sign back first?
1: Um, well, so, uh, Lopez, Brondon and Milton are going to be starters next year. If they are all back off the bench, though, with Nicola and Hill, I think that Hill would make more sense to bring back. I I think he meant more to the team this year for what he can do defensively and offensively. And, When you look at Bledsoe, who struggled a lot in the playoffs, Hill was the one that stepped up. He's got more experience. He played in the NBA Finals last year with the Cleveland Cavaliers under LeBron James, and uh, he's just so calm, so cool, got ice in his veins, and you see how Hill performed in these playoffs compared to Nikola. Hill, I think, is just, he can add more to what the Bucs need. You can find another guy. uh, like They got Ersan, you know. He's a guy that can play like Nikola. DJ Wilson is another forward that they have that was kind of on the end of the bench. are liked to use him in the regular season, and he he really came on. He showed a lot more this year than he did last year. So he's a guy that you could maybe look to take some of those minutes away from Nico if he's not back. So I look at Hill as being a priority between uh, those two guys and Nico Nico Lemaretich and, and George Hill.
0: He's Cody Grant from The Zone in Madison, Wisconsin, 1670 AM, joining us here on Turning Points. Uh, you could tweet him at, at CodyGrant2015 or yours truly, at JakeTurnerSport. Uh, Cody, final question. Uh, game five, uh, it was a raucous atmosphere, and the likes of David Battiari, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> and Christian Yelich went into a beer-chugging contest. Cody, what kind of drinker are you of the three?
1: Oh, man, I would say Christian Yelich. You know, I I,
0: (laughs) I can handle
1: my beer, but not like Bakhtiari can, man. (laughs) And funny thing, Jake, did you see what George Hill said? No, I didn't. So Hill was at the Brewers game uh, the other night, and he was asked about it because he, he did not chug a beer. He said he's not really a beer chugger, but he can shotgun beer really well. And he challenged Bakhtiari to a shotgun beer competition. So hopefully we see that down the line. But, man, it's awesome here in Wisconsin. Those are Wisconsin guys. Bakhtiari chugging three beers. Uh, Christian Eelich getting one in. Aaron Rodgers looking like a California guy trying to chug his beer. But, you know, he's a great quarterback. So I think people will let him off the hook on that one. But, uh, yeah, just great to have uh, other teams embracing the Bucks, and we saw it last year with the Brewers, the Packers, and the Bucks embraced them as well. So it's it's cool that it's kind of like a community of athletes that um, look at the other teams and other sports, and they're just fans like us, where they say, "Wow, like these guys are great."
0: Cody, great stuff. Uh, congratulations on covering your first Eastern Conference Finals. I know it was thank quite you. a quite a ride for you, and I, I thank you so much for making sense of. What happened to the Bucks, and uh, definitely will have you back on again. Thanks a lot. Anytime, Jake, I appreciate it. All right, that was Cody Grant, a Bucks reporter for for the Zone in Madison, Wisconsin, sixteen seventy AM, joining us here on Turning Points.